Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another week of Easy and PK Talk Fantasy Football. And we're back from a two-week break. Easy, how you doing today? Doing all right so far. Uh, got some weird stuff going on that will probably kick up more as the day goes on. But right now, doing pretty good. Excellent. Well, yep. I'm glad you're in a good spot right now. And happy Thanksgiving to you. And you as well, your family, and anyone else out there listening to our podcast today. Yeah, what's uh, some of your Thanksgiving traditions? Just We're just the standard uh, food and football. How about you? Anything? Yeah, we do the same thing, food and a uh, little bit of football. My, I think I'm the only one who cares about football in my family. When we get together for Thanksgiving, we watch the parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving oh, yeah. Day Parade. Yeah. And my wife and her mother really like to watch the dog show that comes <laughs> after that. So those are two traditions of ours. This year we're traveling to Milwaukee, and my brother is hosting all of our family. My mom, my brother obviously is hosting, and my sister. My other brother can't make it. We do the parade, we do the dog show, and then we eat Thanksgiving dinner. And then I try and sneak in some football whenever I can. All right, well, let's recap last week. We've got six games to talk about and a little bit on each. Uh, I want to start out with uh, John versus Jim, father versus son. John comes out victorious, but the big news here is that Jim loses Joe Burrow. What are your thoughts? Well, like you kind of put in our notes that I mean, not only eliminates Burrow for the rest of the season, but that dramatically decreases Jamar Chase's value. And then I also noticed that uh, Jim, for his other quarterback, had Zach Wilson, who is now the third-string quarterback for the Jets. And I noticed, so he had no quarterback, and I noticed just this morning with the waivers, he picked up uh, Cincinnati's backup quarterback, whatever his name is. And his name is Jake Browning. Jake Browning. Jake Browning, yep. And in that in yeah. the actual game, it was, it was a 15-point victory by John, which was actually the narrowest margin of victory in this, this last week, which was pretty surprising because usually we have some close games, but this week it just turned out not to be, I don't know, your thoughts? I didn't really pay too much attention to it, but once I heard that Jim lost his quarterback on Thursday night football and John lost his tight end for the rest of the season and ended up trading him then this weekend for another tight end, I didn't think too much of the game, but I just knew that Jim was probably in trouble moving forward for the rest of the season. And this is why it's really important to get that first win early in the season because at this point it doesn't look good for Jim picking up any wins moving forward with two of his big three pieces now. One's injured, the other's super devalued, and running backs are hot and cold week yep. to week. So I don't see him getting another win in his... Well, actually, I take that back. He gets to play all three of his teams in his division right now. Getch has one win, Jake has three wins, and Adam is on a three-week super cold streak. So it's very possible, actually, that at this point, Jim could actually still make the playoffs. He's only two games back from Jake, and if he wins out and Jake loses out, it's completely possible that Jim ends up making the playoffs, and what a story that would be. That would be hilarious. That division is quite feeble 
Yes, they're averaging four aggregate wins a week. That is not many aggregate wins. Having less than four is after 11 weeks is considerably low. Well, that Ponder division, the their total records are is let me see 10, 11, 12, and 32. I think is their combined record. 12 and 32. They have not fared well well outside of the division. No. Shunk had a good stretch there for the first eight weeks. For the last three weeks, he's been three aggregates, four aggregates, three aggregates. So he's been in the bottom third of scoring. He's got his division win, though. He won his division now for the third time, and he has triggered the dynasty pot. He could still share it with John. If John wins the division, that will be his third division win, and then they would share the dynasty pot. But then if Adam actually wins the championship, I don't know what's going to happen because then Adam has back-to-back championships and three division wins. So does that mean he takes down two-thirds of the pot or does he get to take down the whole thing? I don't really know what's going to happen there, but I do know that Adam is going to get paid out from the dynasty pot and it will clear out after this season because that division has already been decided. Adam has a four-game lead with only three games to play, so nobody can catch him in that division. But shockingly, everybody in that division could still make the playoffs. Nobody has been eliminated yet. That's crazy. All right, game number two, Aaron Bavakwa picks up another win. He is now on a, what, seven, eight-game winning streak? Uh, eight, I believe. I know that he is. he actually is undefeated outside of the division. Yes, he is on an eight-game winning streak. He's now 9-2, and two, and since our last taping, he has leapfrogged you into second place in the hotly contested T-Jax division. He is gaining aggregates on you and John every week and is certainly no longer a sneaking around sort of threat. He has certainly put his flag on the top of the mountain and said, I am here, this is... This is not just play anymore. It's not an accident. No, this is not an accident. It's it's exactly right. That's a great way to put it. It's not an accident. What are your thoughts, especially since he's a direct competitor of yours now? I, I, you know what? I just have to sit back and congratulate him. I never in a million years at the beginning of the season thought that he would be a threat for the playoffs. I thought his team was still you know, building and progress, but sure enough, he's, he's done it. And now we'll talk about it in a little bit, but now him and John have a big clash coming this week that could very much decide the division. That's about all I have to say about that game as well. Shunk loses, but as we mentioned before, clinches the division because everybody in his division lost and everybody in his division has lost two consecutive weeks in a row, in fact. That's something also to note about the Ponders division. Didn't we talk about at the draft that once the dynasty pot has been triggered, we're going to resort the divisions? Aren't we going to redraft divisions? I'm confused about what happened there because I think I was doing some research. But I think the three division losers are now going to be the captains of the division and they get to pick their division, I think. Isn't that what's going to happen? You know what, I have no idea, but that sounds like a good idea. 
we got to switch there was, it up every once in a while, and otherwise it gets a little stale. So, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it was certainly discussed, and there was something that passed. And maybe one of our loyal listeners can send something in, either through the mailbag or on the message board, and let us know what was actually decided. But there's certainly something about realigning divisions once the dynasty pot has been triggered. So we're looking forward to some new division clashes starting next year. Moving on, Bob beats Joey and takes full control of second place in the Frat division with his sixth win this season. And as we mentioned, he's kind of on a hot streak right now. He's got three wins in a row and has surged his way into second place and holds the tiebreaker on points scored over myself. And we have a head-to-head matchup this week. Not super confident about it based on how my team's been performing the last couple weeks. His team is obviously performing very well and if he beats me I'll be two games behind him with two games to play and he'll have the tie break with points scored so this is kind of a make or break week for me and honestly I'm I'm broken I don't I don't think I'm gonna win I actually have turned off my notifications on my phone I was texting with John last night (laughs) I know it's funny but texting with John last night and I said I'm just I'm beat. I've put in a lot of mental and and emotional work into this season only for it to continue to just underperform. I look at my team. I have two running backs that are both top five. I have Patrick Mahomes and I have Travis Kelsey and I don't know what else I can do but week in and week out all I do is not meet projections. Last week against you, you beat me. A great win by you. I'm really super happy for you, to be honest. I just wish I could have put up a better fight. And I think that's what frustrates me the most about how my team is performing, is that they're not even putting up a fight. Like, I can, I feel a lot better losing to you if it was like 160 to 150, where everybody, like, <laughs> did their part. But did you know, last week, except for my defense, my 10 field players all missed their projection. Wow. And over the last three weeks, over the last three weeks, I've only exceeded my projection nine times in three weeks. So that's an average of three players out of my ten. So it's just so much hope that just keeps getting punched in the face, and I just can't take it anymore. I told John last night over text, I go, you can hope for the both of us, but I'm out of hope. Hmm. I'm, this doesn't mean send me bullshit trade offers, everybody. That doesn't mean I'm going to trade everybody on my team. This just means that, as I told John, I'm, I'm going to turtle up. I'm going to pull my arms and legs and head in to my shell and sit and wait until next draft because I'm just out of hope. I told John, you can hope for the both of us. And he said, I've got enough hope for the both of us. I was like, well, good, because I got none. Zero. I'm out. <laughs> so that's how I feel about how my season has gone this far. Just one note to that. Joey, I actually texted him a few weeks ago just saying man I feel so sorry for you because he actually has the fourth most points in the league but he is no chance of making the playoffs and kind of like you were saying with your luck he has just had absolutely terrible luck this year I, I mean it's the chances of having a season like that has got to be very minimal but He's sure enough done it, and I I feel for him. <laughs> yeah, he's officially eliminated from the playoffs. He cannot catch you. 
he's four games back from you and five games back from the playoffs. So Joey has been eliminated. But didn't stop him from putting up 190 points against me two weeks ago. And again, I don't, I'm not mad about that. But it's so frustrating when I see all of his players double their projections and only two of mine met theirs on that week or something of that, maybe four. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I, I gave him like 130 points to look at. Going into last week, you and I, I was expected to beat you by 20 points. And sure, you had a couple of good games on Thursday night, and it was 50-50 going into the weekend. But mm-hmm. I was driving home from Chicago on Sunday, and my phone wasn't lighting up. And I knew when your phone doesn't light up with notifications that somebody made a big play or somebody scored a touchdown. I just knew, and I just got – I'm done. I've, I've talked about this already. I'm, I'm broken in fantasy football. It's not, it's not fun for me right now, and I'm just going to – I'm going to cheer for, for Aaron B., the underdog. I'm going to cheer for Josh because he's our leader of our division. But those are, my, those are my two guys I'm cheering for for the rest of the way. I'm not even cheering for my own team. That's how bad I feel about this. <laughs> Teagues beats Getch in a showdown between two last-place teams. Teagues keeps himself relevant in the playoff hunt in the Ferrats. And so does, uh, well, Getch is still relevant. He's still only two games away from a playoff spot. But he, as we mentioned, hasn't picked up many aggregate wins in the last couple of weeks. So, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about this game? I think Getch is just more in line for that number one pick for the second straight year. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens these last three weeks and if he does get that pick and then who he ends up taking. He'll have to play Jim at some point. Both teams have one win, and that is going to be... Interesting. That'll be a battle. The I would choose. The, the, whoever, the winner ends up being the loser in this e- case. Exactly. Josh continues his dominance in a convincing win over somebody. I, I didn't even notice, but he scored 190 points again. So good I think for Josh. It might have been against Jake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He beat Jake 189 to 152. Go figure. Josh puts up 190 points again. Absolutely. He's just, oh, he's a machine. Two weeks ago, we were talking about how, ooh, this is the week to play him because all three of his Miami Dolphins are on a break, and he ends up being the second league high scorer that week. And so it seems like whoever he puts in there is solid and going to put up huge numbers. So good for him. He's built his team. He has 102 aggregate wins, which is 14 more than John at this point. So he's certainly going to. I guess I shouldn't say certainly, but he's very much on track to be the highest aggregates for the season. And since expansion, the highest aggregate total reached was John back in 2021 with 128. With three games to play, and he picks up uh, 33 more. With 33 more, he would be 135 aggregates, which would shatter John's record set back in 2021, the first year of expansion. And we already talked about our game. Nice job, buddy. We, I was hoping we could pod last week and we could hype up this game. I was even going to say, hey, can I come over and bring some food on Monday night? I'm my quarterback and your quarterback. And <laughs> I didn't text. I knew my team was in trouble. I was 60 points down going into the Monday night game, and it would have been good just to, to hang out with you. But I know that evenings aren't your favorite. You know, you mentioned that your pain gets worse throughout the day, and I didn't want to bother you or make you feel like you had to host me. So you beat me. You beat me well. What are your thoughts? 
I just had a, you know, going into that Monday night, I, there was, I was just a little uneasy. It's always scary when your opponent has their quarterback and one of, like one of their receiving targets playing, and you actually had two of your targets with Rice and and uh, Kelsey. So I was just praying that you know Mahomes didn't throw two touchdowns to Kelsey and another one to Rice. But I think with the weather and everything there, that it just the scoring in general was down. Both teams had some issues. It was a sloppy game. I didn't watch it, but I kept track of it on a sports app. And even if Mahomes connects with Valdez Scantling on that last drive, Ew. it would have just been lipstick on a pig at that point. It would have brought me from 126 points up to maybe 135. Ew. But for the most part, that would just make me look better than it really was. <laughs> and... It's more fun to say that every single person on my team missed their projection last week than maybe saying that one person did. So that's last okay. week. Well, let's, let's do our traditional chat about the Minnesota Vikings. They took the win at home against the Saints two weeks ago, and then they lost in a kind of a heartbreaking fashion on Sunday night. Do you, what do you want to say about the Vikings here quickly? I guess first off with the Saints... I know I've I know he's on your team and I've talked about this before, but I think Derek Carr is just overrated in general. So when he went down with an injury, I obviously you know felt bad that he got injured, but there was also a part of me that said, "Oh God, we're gonna and somehow we're gonna end up losing this." And sure enough, Jameis Winston came in. He threw a couple interceptions, but he also brought him back. But it just wasn't enough. But yeah, I just cringed when Carr went down. I felt for him, and I prayed that the Vikings would hold on because I felt a, a comeback coming on with Winston coming in. And then with the Broncos, I guess there we, we just played with fire too many times, you know, letting them kick field goals and them not finding the end zone. And then sure enough, you know, a little circus play with, not much time left, and Russell de Sutton did it again for the second straight week. Um, the one thing I, another thing I did notice is, you know how in the beginning the Bronco defender made that big hit on, was it on? I can't even remember who it was. Dobbs? On. Is it that fumble that they made on the first possession yeah, the where the guy came in like a missile? And like left I, his feet I, and put his helmet right into his chest? Yep, and I just noticed that yesterday the NFL suspended him for uh, four games. Yeah, it was his second offense. In this Vikings game was his first game back from his last suspension. It's his second offense of reckless play, and there's nothing to really say about that. It was reckless, it was dangerous, and it should have been a penalty on the field. Yep. But... It's easy for us to say that. Kind of makes you wonder how the rest of the game would have gone had that been called a penalty. My thoughts about the Saints game, just very similar to what you were discussing. I needed Derek Carr to actually play well, and he didn't because he <laughs> sucks, because Mahomes was on a bye, and I had to start him because I just felt that was my best play. Yep. He had three consecutive games of 300 yards, but I knew it was difficult playing against the Vikings. 
And furthermore, I was playing against Joey, and he was not throwing to Chris Olave. So I said, well, if, as long as he's going to throw for 300 yards and not find Olave, the tides turn. My starting quarterback goes down, and all of a sudden, Jameis Winston comes in and throws three dimes to Olave for a touchdown and a couple of big gains. And I was just, I just like, <laughs> palms in the air. I, whatever. This, the fantasy gods just didn't care about me that week. Those were the things that I took away from the Saints game. I ended up not seeing the end because I had to take a kid to swim lessons. I know that he, that Winston threw a couple of interceptions late. Yep. Against the Broncos, I thought we were in complete control of that game, minus the doofus turnovers, one of which probably shouldn't have been a turnover. But I thought Dobbs played fine. And my problem with that game comes down to the last four minutes. And we're driving... We're inside the 20-yard line with four minutes left. And I feel, I don't know, who are the announcers? It's Aikman and uh, Buck. Okay, so Aikman and Buck, right? And they're talking about how, oh, should we run the clock down and try and get as much time off this clock? But then you don't score. And I'm like, nope, don't do that. Don't do that. You want to score a touchdown. They're like, well, we might want to run the clock down here. And, and kick the field goal. I'm like, why? If you score a touchdown, it's a nine-point game. It's a two-possession game. There's no reason to play conservative here. Yeah. Like, even if there's four minutes left, they're not going to get points, you know, two touchdowns or touchdown and field goal in two possessions. And sure enough, we ran twice, incomplete pass, field goal. And I was like, this is just ridiculous. This was conservative play calling that I couldn't stand. Then we come out, and they get the ball back. Denver gets the ball back, and we start playing conservatively in defense. Yep. And so our defense starts playing conservative. They start dumping down to their running back, which is exactly what you should do. And this is the difference between the Denver Broncos and the head coach Sean Payton and the quarterback Russell Wilson here, and the difference between them and the Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell, who's calling the plays, a young quarterback who doesn't have that much experience. They they outcoached us in that in that moment. We basically had two identical drives. They had to come down and score a touchdown because we were up by four points. They had to come down and score a touchdown. And they had to go 80 yards. And they, how did they do it? They threw it underneath four passes to Samaj P. Ryan. They get down close and get the, and get the ball in the end zone. And then the Vikings have the exact same, exactly the same. They got to go down and they've got to just kick a field goal. They don't have to score a touchdown at this point. They just have to kick a field goal. And what do we do on offense? Our play calling under one minute with three timeouts left was throws to, throws to the edge to Hawkinson and stand in the pocket and wait for the rush to get to you when we could have schemed some sort of underneath game. We have Ty Chandler. They, they basically blitzed 10 times in a row on that last drive. Yeah. How about a screen pass? I mean, leak a guy out of the backfield – Sure, they're playing maybe a zone coverage, but like a screen pass could work in this pick. Just that we were trying to push the ball down the field with an inexperienced quarterback who just doesn't have that many times in that position, with an inexperienced head coach who doesn't know how to call plays necessarily in that situation, versus Sean Payton, who's been there a million times, and Russell Wilson had what forty now fourth quarter comebacks, and he he knows what to do. Check down because they're playing prevent defense. And it just, it was frustrating. It was bad play calling from the four minutes left all the way in. And I guess in that regard, I think the Vikings deserve to lose. I would, I would have to agree with you. Those check down passes to P. Ryan just absolutely drove me crazy. You know, you can let them do it once, maybe twice, but 
to let them just check it down four times and run for 50, 60 yards, whatever it was. It was just completely baffling. How can you go from one of the most electric defenses in the NFL and then just say, oh, nope, we're going to drop back and just let you guys go with underneath passes, get close enough to the end zone, and, you know, then all it takes is the one pass and the magic of Russell Wilson did it. Yeah, Yeah, very frustrating. For sure. Very winnable game on the road, and that's all I have to say about that. I'm running out of time, but can we quickly talk about final three weeks of play here? A bit of a preview. Um, I just went division by division. Let's start with the Ponders, because neither one of us have any have any skin in that game. The Ponders, Shunk is a champ. All teams can still make the playoffs. What are your thoughts on the Ponders division as we begin the last three weeks where everybody plays everybody in their division one more time? Ponders, go. Um, I guess I see Jake pulling it out and He'll be making the playoffs with a losing record, but you know all you got to do is make the dance and see what happens. He's not necessarily looking like a team who's trying to make the playoffs. He just traded away a running back to his brother, who conveniently plays me this week for a first and a third round pick. So that that signifies to me at least someone who's not expecting to to go deep in the playoffs if they're going to make the playoffs and maybe rebuilding for for next season. But I agree. I think Jake is going to be able to hold off those one-win teams behind him here heading into the playoffs. Let's chat my division. Josh has clinched the championship now. Actually, not fully, but he's up three games with three games to play on Bob, and he holds the tiebreaker by a significant margin. So I'm crowning Josh a champ. Bob's in control. If he beats me this week, He'll be up two games on me with two games to play, and that's all but over. So I've got to beat Bob this week. But like I said, I've turned off my notifications for the weekend. I'm just going to – somebody text me if anything happens. If you need me, you know where to find me, people. Send me a text because I'm not going to check fantasy football at all. I said I'll be rooting for you, and I'll send you a text if anything big happens. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll just keep watching games, but I'm not going to check on my players specifically. T-Jax division, this is your division. Why don't you take a few minutes to talk about them? Just very highly competitive division. Uh, these next three weeks are going to be really interesting with me, John, and Aaron playing each other and who comes out on top. Because uh, at this point, all three of us could make the playoffs, have a chance at winning the championship. At the same time, we could miss the playoffs all together. Uh, one note with our division, because I, I was texting with John the other day too, and he asked, you know, if I could figure out our record outside of the division. And our, yeah, division's record outside of our division is 24 and 8, and most of those losses are Joey's. So it's Joey's unluckiness, and then the three powerhouses at the top, and We'll just wait and see what happens these next three weeks. It's going to be one of the premier divisions to watch. If you're scoreboard watching, it'll be fun to watch. And Joey, although already eliminated from the playoffs, can certainly play spoiler. Because his team can put up 190 points. It's just, he kind of like my team. Will Will they show up? Will they 
Will they meet their projections exactly. from week to week? I wish I wish I could turn off projection scores. That causes obviously I brought it up a number of times in the pod this week, but I was thinking the other day I wish I could turn off a projected score because it gives me so much anger when a person doesn't meet it. It's like a this number that's arbitrarily determined by some computer in some nerd's basement, and for some reason I feel like well that's what they that's what they should get. Why why aren't they got their projection? This is this is a number. If if you get your projection, I'm gonna win and. It just gives me so much anger. It's I set my lineup based on it, even though I'm like, oh, this guy's projected for two points less than this one. But they're a better player. And I'm going to put the one with the higher projection in. Did you ever watch this show, the TV show, The League? No. It's hilarious. If you can find it on any streaming service, it's really funny. All the fantasy football references are super old because it's been off the air now for probably 10 years. But it ran for three or four seasons. And they talked about, you know, just a bunch. It's, it's all about fantasy football and a bunch of friends and all the shenanigans that ensue and the different personalities in the league. But one, one guy claims the other one is a, a projections whore or something like that. I think that's a term they throw around. And I'm totally a projections whore. He's projected higher. I'm playing that guy, even though I shouldn't. And that's me. I'm a projections whore. And I just wish I could turn off the projections because it causes me so much anger. Anger that doesn't need to be in my life. It would be interesting to know how they come up with the projections. Absolutely. And compare them to like ESPN.com projections, right? Because I have leagues in both. Yeah. And same player, completely different numbers. Ugh. Frustrating. 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 Well, anyway, that, um, that's it for this week. It was really nice catching up with you again. And we'll definitely try and get one of these every week here after the, after Thanksgiving we'll try and meet as much as we can until the end of the season cuz it's going to it's going to get fun here it's going to get people are going to get eliminated every week other teams hopes are going to rise and in the end you or Aaron or John are going to miss the playoffs and it's a travesty if it does but it's going to happen so we'll see how it goes it should mm-hmm. be entertaining exactly just wishing you a happy Thanksgiving, you and your family, and uh, hopefully we can do this again next week. Absolutely. I, I can't wait. A happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope you enjoy your day, and I hope your fantasy team has an excellent day on the on the gridiron. All right. Have a good one, E. I'll, I'll talk to you later, all right? All right. Have a good one. See ya. See ya, bud.